Welcome to the QB List Fantasy Football Podcast. It is week three and the what we saw version of our podcast. And I think everyone else is upset this week, Ryan. Uh, Just kind of a rough week for fantasy football. So we're going to be positive here. We like to be positive on the QB List Fantasy Football Podcast, right? I'm Eric Smith, joined by Ryan Heath. And uh, a few of the exciting things that happened in week three, we've got a couple new memes, Ryan. We got the butt punt. Uh, The Dolphins punted directly into the butt of a blocker, uh, just, just for safety, you know, just out the back of the end zone. Um, we've got a, a coaching freak out from the Bills where offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey just ripped up the entire press box. So we're seeing the, the typical memes that would go along with that. Like, I'm hoping this email finds you well and the email finds you and it shows Ken Dorsey destroying the press box. Um, we had an unidentified drone flying near the Falcons Seahawks game, delayed the game for a little bit because, of course, that would happen at a Seahawks game. Uh, otherwise, like the Eagles are great. Uh, the Jaguars might be good. Lamar Jackson's awesome. That's all I got, Ryan. Actually, this was a horrible week. That's as far as I can go with trying to make this sound happy. So um, welcome to the week three podcast, Ryan. Uh, How are you doing today? I am doing absolutely terrible. I just watched my Patriots have maybe one of the most emotionally crushing games since I would say last year when we lost to Tom Brady in primetime is probably the last time I felt this upset about the Patriots. Uh, just to dive in a little bit, because I'm, I'm just taking over this podcast and I'm going to rant for however long I feel like it. Uh, the Ravens secondary, it's bad, folks. I, I have never seen Devontae Parker actually get open against zone in the middle of the field, like in the intermediate area. He was managing to, but yet two interceptions on Devontae Parker targets today. Uh, I think he was, that's four for four of max interceptions until the last one he threw on the final play of the game, I believe, have all been on Devontae Parker targets. Uh, it So that's great. Uh, Nelson Aguilar fumbled. Just a reminder, he's making $11 million a year, and it was very transparently the worst signing of that offseason. Was given more money than Juju Smith-Schuster that year and a ton of other receivers that have actually produced. Still don't know what was up with that one. Uh, Mac Jones like limped off the field right at the end of the game looked like he was in really bad pain just like actually jumping on his right leg not putting his left leg on the ground at all there was a photo of him getting carried down the stairs to the locker room after the game like screaming in pain uh, so that that's awesome I'm, I'm sure that that's gonna work out and that he's not gonna be out an extended period of time uh, I'm, I'm totally sure that just because that x-ray was negative on his ankle i i who knows i i don't even want to go down that road too much uh on the defensive side of the ball devin mccordy was in single coverage against mark andrews in the red zone i have no idea who thought that was a good idea but it resulted in a touchdown to nobody's surprise the linebackers on the patriots are still slow as molasses there's There's an actual pass rush now. That's an improvement from two years ago. But if the quarterback can move around at all, he can just run away from it. Just run right past all the linebackers. They can't stop him. This has been a problem for like five years. It has not been addressed. And with the how mobile all these new quarterbacks are in the league, it's kind of a problem. Uh, Checking in on Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, the nepotistic brain trust. Uh, they did finally figure out that Ramondre Stevenson is the best player on the offense. So good job to them for that. That, that was maybe the one positive we can take out of this. Uh, Stevenson and Harris were still pretty much just swapping off every single drive, but because the offense was performing much better with Stevenson, he ended up with way more snaps. So 
Shout out to Nathan Yonke for that observation, but it was completely true from what I saw watching that game. Uh, yeah, so just kind of taking stock of the rest of the season, I was looking down the schedule. I can't pick out more than like two or three wins on the rest of the schedule if Mac Jones isn't healthy. Uh, I think we can handle the Bears maybe, maybe the Jets at home, but I, that's about where it stops. We get to play the Packers next week and an angry Aaron Rodgers. I'm not looking forward to it. Eric, what are your thoughts? <laughs> oh, man. There, that, there's a lot to take in there. I, I kind of got to enjoy a Bengals game for once because they played the Jets. I, I think the Flacco experiment is over. Um, but, yeah, I was switching back and forth between that Ravens-Patriots game. I will say they gave away the game several times with some uncharacteristic turnovers, just kind of mistakes. Maybe maybe it is characteristic of the Patriots nowadays, but some very costly mistakes cost them in crucial time. They that, you know, like you said with Mac Jones, that that pick he threw into the end zone on a jump ball to Devontae Parker. It's one of those plays where it's like, I don't know who's at fault there, if it's a bad throw or a bad play from the receiver, but it sure did not look like the play you want to go to in the red zone. Just kind of a prayer uh, for an end zone fade that had no chance of being completed and was intercepted. So, yeah, it looks rough. I, I think I'm with you there on the talent. The talent is rough. There's a reason a lot of teams have gone away from linebackers in the year 2022 because they can't cover anyone. And it. it it does feel like this team is a bit trapped in, you know, the prime of the Brady era and hasn't quite adapted. It's hard for me to be too down on them because I do trust Belichick at the end of the day. But you're right. If the rest of this coaching staff gets in the way, then uh, it may not matter how great of a coach Belichick is. So the key here is Mac Jones. Obviously, if he's out for an extended period of time, then yes, you may be looking at a top five draft pick. So that's going to be really what we're looking for here. But otherwise, yeah, I don't know. Uh, give Stevenson the ball. That's all I got, Ryan. Yeah, I d- yeah, I'm just, a, I don't have anything else to say on this, really. Yeah, I'm glad that you have faith in Bill Belichick. I'm not even sure that I do at this point. Like, it's kind of been, it's going to be three years now of not very good results without Tom Brady. Um, I, all, all, yeah, my, I've always kind of been of the opinion that it's more about the star quarterback than it is the head coach and that the, impact of head coaches is severely overrated by a lot of people around the NFL and the media, especially. So yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to be all that upset if people start talking about Bill being on the hot seat. I know that won't happen because he's like royalty here, but if this were a rational franchise or a rational fan base, that is the conversation we would probably be having about six weeks from now. Yeah. And I mean, I know this has been talked about a ton, but a lot of this is Bill Belichick, the GM's fault. I mean, when you spend all this capital on what Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene and then John New Smith and Hunter Henry, and you're getting nothing out of the position and, you know, just stuff like that is really hampering the team. So it's, it's hard to separate some of the personnel stuff with the coaching part, but it's certainly not an explosive team. We should have known we were in for a bad week, Ryan, when Jacoby Myers was out. Like that was just just for me, for you, for everyone's fantasy teams. He's he's our safe fallback option, and we didn't even have Jacoby today. Yeah, I was honestly I was having deja vu today watching Tom Brady destroy tablets on the sideline of the Bucks game because all of his receivers down in Tampa were dropping everything thrown their way because that's exactly what it looked like pretty much the last two years that he was here. And yeah, that ultimately comes back to Bill Belichick, the GM. He has yeah. not made good decisions full stop for the last five or so years at the very least, arguably even further back. So yeah, I just, 
And I was like staring my Patriots fandom in the face today. I'm, I'm like, why, why am I putting all the time and energy into this team when I could just be watching good football? I could be watching the Eagles right now. I'm, I'm wearing the Mac Jones jersey. I almost wanted to switch to the A.J. Brown jersey just out of frustration. And then when he got hurt, I was like, oh, I need to keep wearing it in solidarity because I don't, I don't know, because I'm weird. But right. yeah, that, that was the, the roller coaster I went up and down on today. Well, Ryan, I don't know how much good football you missed <laughs> watching that Patriots game. So we've got a lot more to tilt about this week. It was a rough week, just lots of disappointing performances. I mean, when you look at the leaders for running backs and PPR scoring, you see Khalil Herbert, number one, and Jamal Williams, number three. That kind of sums up the day for you. It's, it was a rough day. Lots of bad scores out there in my leagues anyway for fantasy rosters. So we're going to kind of just tilt on all these things today that frustrated us. Um, as always, though, please check out the What We Saw article on QBList.com. We've got someone assigned to every single game, so they're going to cover a lot more than we did. So we're just going to hit some of the highlights or lowlights here. Uh, so, yeah, let's get into some of the frustrating performances from week three. And we still haven't even hit the Monday night game yet, Ryan. I mean, we still got, we, we still got Giants and Cowboys to frustrate us Monday night. We'll get to a little preview of that at the end of the podcast as well. But let's start out with the Lions. I think the Lions are going to be a, a big source of frustration across the fantasy industry. Uh, we saw a lot of Jamal Williams. We saw a lot of Josh Reynolds. Um, we saw an Amon Ross St. Brown injury scare. Really just rough stuff all around, Ryan. Unless you have TJ Hawkinson. I believe he snuck in for a touchdown. But that, that's about the bright spot in Detroit. Yeah, yeah, a touchdown and seven receiving yards for TJ Hawkinson. I, yep. Glad he saved your fantasy day if you had him. But yeah, just looking at this box score, 10 targets for Josh Reynolds. Like That's anytime you can give 10 targets to Josh Reynolds, you got to do that, obviously. Yep. Uh, and yeah, as you said, 20 carries, two touchdowns for Jamal Williams. Swift was pretty much invisible, or at least it felt like it the whole day. Uh, was still playing on third downs as usual, but I, I don't know what is up with this DeAndre Swift ankle injury. If we've been getting lied to, if this is just how Dan Campbell wants to optimally deploy his running backs, it's it's not like DeAndre Swift has been breaking off huge plays on the ground the last two weeks or anything like that. So I just Dan Campbell just looks at our fantasy rosters and laughs. Yeah, and... I mean, there's a lot to do. So Swift was outsnapped by Jamal Williams, 35 to 32. So pretty even split. We even got 13 snaps from Craig Reynolds. Great. Um, <laughs> just lots of frustration there. But, you know, this is a game that they lost. Like, I think it's one thing to say uh, Swift is banged up. Let's let's keep him healthy, keep him fresh. But this is a divisional game against the Vikings, and they, they blew this game late. So it's awfully hard to justify, unless he is really hurt more than they're letting on, giving all those snaps to Williams. So if you're a Swift manager, I think you still have to be overall encouraged just with the talent and with the passing volume in this offense. And he is still seeing some target volume. I don't think you're moving on from Swift, but uh, it's awfully frustrating. We just have to really just hope that this is an injury thing and he gets back to his old workload. But I mean, do you see any value here in discussing like, do we sell Swift? Like, do we try to package him in a kind of two for one sort of thing? Like, is there anything you would do here? Or are we just going down with the ship on Swift? I think you have to go down with the ship ultimately because yeah. yeah, as you mentioned, the talents there, the lions are a good team this year. Like that, that was yeah. kind of our scare with Swift is, Oh, well maybe the lions just offense just won't get it done. They are getting it done, but yeah, I don't know. Swift Swift's going to have his weeks, but we, I think we do have to take the fact that Swift will see zero goal line touches seriously at this point. 
and Jamal Williams is in play as like a maybe as a low end RB two. Like it, it with how ugly running back is. If we know for a fact Jamal Williams is has a monopoly on goal line snaps on this offense that's putting up a lot of points, like I I don't see I don't see why not. Yeah, I mean, so they had the they gave up 14 points to the Vikings in the fourth quarter. So they had a lead. They were able to lean on Jamal a little bit. But, I mean, we've still got Josh Reynolds, Amon Ross St. Brown, DJ Chark getting more targets than Swift. Jamal Williams – I'm sorry, TJ Hawkinson tying him in targets. So, yeah, there's just a lot of competition there. Uh, Goff, you know, on the road, you know, 25 of 41. It's going to be a little efficient. So, yeah, I, I still think the Swift breakout season is in play. But um, we're going to have ups and downs with Goff. And there are growing options in this offense, especially when we get Williams back at some point, Jamison Williams. So um, I, it's going to be touch and go, I think, every week. But hopefully we get a full practice like every week or every day next week. And that kind of solves things here for Swift. I felt so good about Swift this week, too. Like he was practicing. There was there was no like weirdness around game time decision like there was in week two. But yeah, I don't know. But I, I think we've tilted about the Lions enough. So yeah. now let's tilt about the Dolphins. Um so maybe the most egregious case of an obvious concussion I've ever seen in the National Football League where Tua gets laid out, stands up, takes two steps and j- just falls forward, like crumbles to the ground, like very obviously is not okay. And then he's back in the game after halftime from the, the quote unquote independent neurologist's uh, approval. So that and and then we've got NFL sources tweeting out that it was a back injury while the Dolphins own Twitter account had tweeted out that it was a head injury so there there's an investigation that's happening this is a mess yeah it's always weird to see the investigation afterwards too because this was all over Twitter immediately like people like what is going on like here's the clip of him stumbling like how much how long did it take to get the investigation underway you know like you if if you need the investigation that quickly, then maybe something broke down with the process. You, if this, I, I don't know what you do when you're the NFLPA, but yeah, it, it's a tough situation. We saw some shots across the league this week. We're going to get to some other players, but man, I thought we were making a lot of progress with head injuries. And I, I guess the 201 wasn't necessarily a bad hit from the defender. Uh, it was more of just, I mean, it was a late hit, but it wasn't like head hunting. He just fell funny, but um, please everyone, let's be safe out there. No more head hunting. I don't want to go back to that kind of football. So I agree. The Dolphins, no matter what the prognosis was, probably should have played this one more cautious because the players are always going to try to force their way back in. Yeah. Speaking of headhunting, Eric, why don't you talk to me about what you think of that hit that T. Higgins suffered? Man, I don't uh, lash out at uh, other teams very often, but in our Discord, I had to immediately apologize to our Jets fans because uh, this is two out of three weeks that T. Higgins has just taken a, a helmet-to-helmet shot. And he made the catch. Like he, T. Higgins is playing like one of the best receivers in the league right now. And uh, I do not want my favorite players to get injured. So I was very frustrated when Higgins took that shot from the Jets' safety, I believe. Came back in the game. Again, I don't know what the independent uh, you know, analysis there is on T. Higgins, especially when he had one two, two weeks ago. He had a concussion. But um, I don't know. It was, it was a scary play, not one that I want to see. And Garrett Wilson took a shot not too long later. Turned out to be a legal hit from Jesse Bates to the ribs. But Man, Joe, Joe Flacco was laying his receivers out quite a few times in this game, just just leading them right into incoming defenders. So as I mentioned, I think the Joe Flacco experiment is over, and I think some of his receivers may feel a little bit um, happier about that than they might have two weeks ago when their, their stats were looking good. 
Yeah, it was like 1.30 p.m. Eastern time watching this game with Jets Bengals on red zone for most of that early hour. And I, I was just like, oh, my God, like every player in the league is going to get hurt this week. Like they're yeah. they're all just going to take shots. It it was unreal watch, watching that unfold. Yeah. Yeah. Burrow even took a shot to his knee late and I, I about we about canceled the podcast. So, um, yes, just, let's just stay healthy. I think you said let's turn injuries off. This is enough of this. It's, it's too much. Uh, we had um, David Montgomery get hurt early on, which we thought was a safe play against Houston. Um, you know, there's just a bunch of them. Dalvin Cook, like just too many injuries everywhere. So let's let's go back to normal in week four. Yeah. All right. Enough injury talk for now. Let's get on to fantasy football scoring talk. Uh, so Chase Edmonds, I I can't believe that Chase Edmonds just had the game he did and I'm upset about it. But th- this is the first week we've been saying to bench Chase Edmonds since like week one of 2021. Like yeah. I, I remember I especially was vocally supportive of him all through last year, even through some very concerning times when he was on the Cardinals and finally, we both came together this past week and said, yeah, well, Raheem Mostert's out snapping him. Edmonds doesn't have a goal line role. I don't like the matchup. Let's bench Chase Edmonds. And of course, Chase Edmonds proceeds to get all five goal line snaps and scores two touchdowns. So th- this is just our life, Eric. What what are we going to do about this? Yeah, I'm glad I at least told people to hold him. So we said sit him, but keep him on your roster. But yeah, it was frustrating to see those two ch- touchdowns from Chase Edmonds. He was still outsnapped 24 to 19 by Raheem Mostert. And the Dolphins only had the ball for 19 minutes and 20 seconds compared to the Bills' 14 minutes or 40 minutes and 40 seconds. So it was kind of a miraculous outcome. If you had started Edmonds, you got two touchdowns, but uh, it was kind of a miracle. And it wasn't really even all that great of a day considering you got two touchdowns. So I feel okay taking the loss on this one, Ryan. I know it's frustrating because we backed him for so long, but. Uh, there's another player that we're going to talk about at the end of this rant that I was much more frustrated about. So I can live with Edmonds. It's just the process sometimes. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not saying we were wrong on the process or anything. It's just the way that these results roll in sometimes. And I would honestly, if Edmonds had gone out and had an 80% snap share and dominated the routes and the targets, I'd have been like, oh yeah, like let, let's get back on board. I'll, I'll happily play him again. But I don't even know how I feel about him going into next week. Like it, I don't know what to think of this backfield at all. And I I don't think anyone else does either. So if you ask me any questions about Raheem Mostert or Chase Edmonds this week, just I I don't know is the answer. Agreed. All right, let's move on. Um, One of my favorites, Traylon Burks. It looked like we were getting there, Ryan. Looked like we were getting the Burks game. And uh, no, it's week three. Yeah, so I was ready for Traylon Burke's breakout season. We've seen incredible targets per route run from him through the first two weeks on only part-time snaps. And I had been saying all week, if this is the week that Traylon Burke's finally plays a full complement of snaps, it it is Traylon Burke's breakout season. And we thought we were getting it in the first quarter. Two targets, I think on the first drive, got tackled at the one-yard line. Derrick Henry punches it in. Okay, that's normally what we see from the Titans. And then it was four o'clock Eastern. And I look at the Titans box score. Trail on Burks didn't see another target the rest of the game. Like what? I, I don't know what happened to our trail on Burks breakout season. Yeah. I mean, they got up on the Raiders. That's probably a part of it, but um, they did not score in the second half. So whatever the Titans were doing almost cost them this game. They won 24 to 22. The Raiders lobbed up a 
late touchdown to Mac Hollins, which is a whole nother story that I don't even know if we're going to get into. That's just the way this week went. But yeah, they, they could have used it. They almost gave up a two-point conversion to send us to overtime. So I don't know. I mean, Robert Woods leads the team with 85 yards receiving, but 41 of it on one catch. Derrick Henry had five catches, Ryan. Like, <laughs> enough with this week. What, I, I don't know. I, I'm still holding out hope for Traylon Burks. They need him. They're not going to face a team like the Raiders, uh, 0-3 Raiders. Uh, it, it's rough over there every week, but they need they need Burks. They have to use him, right? Like he can't get he can't get less receptions than Austin Hooper going forward. This can't happen. Yeah, I mean, just on the Raiders, real quick, I have to say that as down bad as I feel as a Patriots fan, at least I can look at the Raiders and point and laugh at them for hiring Josh McDaniels. Um, yeah. But yeah, I trail on Burks needs to get involved. The the Derrick Henry targets in particular what stuck out to me the most that he had over a 20% target share today. That's a career high from JJ Zacharyson on Twitter. I, I just don't know what to do i'm i'm not starting burks i guess until we see it from him because i have huge trust issues now with this titans offense but i it's going to happen at some point i'm I'm not really phased on him yeah i would agree we just need vrabel to to loosen up a little bit here i think but i did think it was funny seeing some uh drake london uh tweets dunking uh you know taking Traylon Burks ahead of Drake London which obviously London has been better this year but I mean London had three catches guys let's 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 close let's calm down here I, I still think there's hope for Traylon Burks long term but yes London was the better short-term ad and probably long term but they can both be good we can we can both like good players it's okay fantasy Twitter it's, I don't even know what to say anymore Ryan this is this week uh <laughs> I'll let you have the next one. Uh, just go ahead with your next rant here. Yeah, if you don't know what to say, I know what to say. I I need to take a few minutes to complain about the DFS day that I just had. I entered 150 lineups. Uh, I played Ramondre Stevenson in 38% of them. Tyler Conklin in 21% of them. Both of those guys did awesome. You, you would think yeah. from me nailing those like low salary, low percent roster plays that I would have done great. No, I, I lost 45% of my entries today um so not not really happy about that not gonna lie it's my first like bad loss in dfs of the year and it hurts well you you needed russell gage who uh, caught 12 of 13 balls for a whopping 87 yards uh that whole tampa bay green bay game was neither team has anyone that can take the top off the defense um especially tampa bay like it was kind of notable when jalen darden caught a a 25 yard pass and you're like whoa that guy's fast like he was the only fast player on tampa bay kind of like the patriots obviously it it was ugly leonard fournette i was joking in discord like he looks like he's running a refrigerator with a refrigerator on his back and we've joked about that before and i think the last time we joked about it was leonard fournette i know we said this about somebody before and uh fournette had that immaculate you know like postseason run and all of a sudden he was back after that but Fournette looks pretty close to being toast like I don't know I know this is a uh, derailing our subject here but like do you think Fournette's just kind of past the point of no return I so I don't think it matters with Fournette he's going to continue <laughs> to get the touches and the targets I he led the Bucks down the field on their would-be game-winning drive where they couldn't convert the two-point conversion or game tying drive excuse me Yeah, but I don't think it matters with Fournette. There are just some running backs around the league where it doesn't matter what the evidence says, what their play says, what it says on film, what it says in the numbers. The team will just continue to go with them. This applies to Ezekiel Elliott as well. Arguably, this applies to David Montgomery. We're going to talk about that later too. 
but yeah. it yeah i mean would i love rashad white season yeah i would but i i don't think it's gonna happen yeah they needed him today and they did not use him so Fournette, i think it's really just notable when they don't have anyone stretching the field for tampa bay like Fournette just he can't make moves in the backfield like it, it's one thing when teams are respecting Evans deep and Godwin deep and there's a ton of space but as long as this offense looks like this Fournette's gonna be fine because of volume but it's gonna be a lot of 12 carries for 35 yards five catches for 35 yards so I guess it could be worse at running back <laughs> it can um, always be worse at running back that's kind be. of the rule of the of this year so far yeah all right I really want to just complain really about myself for playing Justin Fields on um on my home league team. Uh, you know, I had Trey Lance. I backed into Fields as a replacement. He looked horrible last week. I thought, hey, it's the Texans. Fields is the only guy on waivers who has any kind of long-term upside. We just need some passing from Fields. Like, he runs fine. We just need some passing. Home against the Texans. Like, we can do this. Didn't even reach 10 fantasy points. So, we're going to get to Darnell Mooney later. I'll save a little bit for that part. But um, Fields is done. I'm not playing him ever again. Uh, it's going to take like two straight good weeks for me to even think about him. Yeah, I'm done with Justin Fields personally. I un- Unless they start throwing the ball, like it, there has to be sustained evidence of an actual passing game in yeah. on this Bears offense. Um, it, it's just concerning because you, I think I said this on sit start, if it were me, I would just have Fields throw 40 times a game and to see what he can do so he can evaluate him. But if they continue to not unleash him, the only logical conclusion, there are two logical conclusions. One is that the coaching staff doesn't know what they're doing. The other is that Fields is that bad and they know it, but they're continuing to trot him out there. So yeah. I, either way, if you're a Bears fan, I there's not a whole lot of light at the end of the tunnel there. Yeah, I mean, sure. Khalil Herbert looked great. 20 carries for 157 yards, but that got them a three point win against the Texans. Like that's, that's best case scenario from that style of offense. And you're barely beating the Texans at home. So yeah, I'm, I'm done with the, the, the bears passing game. So um, one, I wanted to tilt from DFS. I, I hate DFS is Dallas Goddard leaves early with an injury. I had a lot of, a lot of Jalen hurts, Dallas Goddard stacks, Ryan. It was really looking good. Goddard scored a touchdown, thought this was the week and nope, he leaves the game injured. So uh, there's nothing to say about that. The Eagles look awesome. Everyone's putting up points for them, but I, I sure could have used another 15 uh, Dallas Goddard points. Yeah, I'm sure you could have, but if you weren't playing Devonte Smith in those Eagle stacks, they were dead in the water anyway. Sorry to break it to you. I, I played a bunch of AJ Brown, Dallas Goddard. Yeah, of of course. The I'm I am the Devonte Smith guy. I've been the Devonte Smith apologist. Didn't play him in DFS this week when he goes over 30 DraftKings points, obviously, because it's week three. Yeah. I like to picture the alternate universe where if Goddard was in the game, though, he got a lot of that work. So that's that's what I'm sticking with here. So, all right. Finally, this was the one that really frustrated me. And it shouldn't because I have a ton of Brees Hall. I love Brees Hall. I've got him on all my DFS line, or um, all my best ball lineups. Like I got him all over the place. And just out of nowhere, he's out, out snapping Michael Carter. He's out targeting Michael Carter 11 to 2. This was just last week when Brees Hall was losing snaps to Ty Johnson. So, I'm happy that Brees Hall is getting the work. Uh, this is all my draft strategy all offseason led to this, but there was no sign of this happening. And it turns out Michael Carter was not the one we wanted this week, Ryan. It was Brees Hall. So is this just going to flip flop every week or do we have to adjust here for Brees Hall RB1 going forward? 
Well, Eric, I'm sorry to break it to you, but I don't think this is going to stick. The only reason this happened is because I played 20% Michael Carter in DFS. <laughs> so that that is the reason. It's not because this backfield is actually flipped. But I mean, in all seriousness, I, I'm cool. We knew this was going to happen eventually, or we were hoping at least. I'm cool with this if it sticks. If yeah. next week it's back to Carter getting eight targets and Hall losing snaps to Ty Johnson then I, it will be an even bigger rant on this podcast, I'm sure. Yeah, we may have to have a whole podcast on the Jets when uh, Joe Flacco gives way to Zach Wilson. Flacco, 52 attempts, two picks, four sacks. Really looked worse than that. Like, he threw a bunch of dangerous passes. He could have fumbled the ball multiple times. I guess he did lose two of them, but it was a it was a rough day from Flacco. So they're certainly going to move on from him whenever Wilson's healthy and I don't know what it does to this Jets team. I just really don't know what it does to the fantasy outlook. So we'll we'll probably save most of that for the sit start podcast, but it's it's going to be fascinating to analyze. So okay. I think that was our the bulk of our rants for week three, Ryan. We'll we'll probably get a few more in here as we discuss uh this next section. We wanted to talk about some players and whether you should be keeping them or whether you should be cutting them going forward. Um so this kind of does lead into it, but just some some players we were really frustrated with. Uh, everyone's going to be rushing out to pick up like Khalil Herbert. Um, as we said before, David Montgomery left with an ankle injury. They say he's day to day, but we're kind of skeptical on that. So there are going to be some players like Khalil Herbert that everyone's rushing out to pick up. You got to drop somebody. So let's just start off with the bears here, Ryan Darnell Mooney. Are we dropping him? Because this is the worst start to a season you could imagine for a team's wide receiver one. Yes, we are dropping <laughs> Darnell Mooney, especially for a player like Khalil Herbert. Just, there's no upside in any Bears pass catcher as long as Justin Fields is throwing 17 times a game. Like, I'm there just isn't. I, Mooney, to his credit, had a 35% target share this week. That's more targets than he's commanded up to now, but that that's six targets makes it a 35% target share. That's how down bad this offense is. Yeah, I, I think you can cut bait on Mooney at this point for uh, for a player that you need to plug and play or for a player like Herbert that you think has upside going forward. I agree. It's it was it's one of those it stings because you see what draft what round you drafted him in and you just don't want to pull the trigger. But I mean, how many good games would you have to see from him before you trusted him again, right? Like it'd probably be two two good games before you trusted him. I'm not throwing him in my lineup after just one. So depends on your roster, depends on who you're adding, what kind of space you have, but uh, if you need the spot, I'm I'm on board. We can move on from Mooney because it's not his production. It's just this offense and his quarterback's production. And there's just nothing he can do right now. So it doesn't look like anything's going to change. The Bears, I believe, have – yeah, they're 2-1. and one. They're 2-0 and oh at home. Why would they change this, Ryan? Like, they're, they're a good football team. So they're going to stick with this. I did not realize the Bears were 2-1. and one. Oh, no. This yeah. is just – oh, that, that's awful. It's oh. horrible. All right, more frustration uh, for anyone who picked the Chiefs in a Survivor League. I would never do a thing like that, but uh, they lost to the uh, Indianapolis Colts, who got shut out by the Jaguars last week. And Chiefs wide receiver situation is kind of rough here, Ryan. So would you be dropping any receivers not named Juju Smith-Schuster uh, for, for Khalil Herbert or really anyone with a pulse? Yeah, I, Michael Hardman, uh, thought he might be a good sneaky play in again in DFS this week. So make, chalk it up to me playing him, maybe, but yeah. only one target. I mean, he'd been leading the Chiefs in air yards up until this point. Uh, but I, I don't think he's a viable play ever. And kind of the same with Marquez Valdez Scantling. Uh, he at least had seven targets on the day to day, but it, it turned into just four catches for 48 yards. 
MVS, his whole thing is supposed to be that he gets deep down the field and creates these boom weeks on occasion. So, but that just hasn't been happening. His average depth of target has been much lower this year. I, I don't think that we have any anything with MVS this year. I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I don't know that the frustrating MVS 30-point week that we all miss out on is even coming. Yep, and I don't even know where you turn. I mean, I agree. Juju and Travis Kelsey, they're looking good going forward. The rest of the receiving core doesn't. Sky Moore only played eight snaps. He lost a fumble on a punt, I believe. Like So even like that possible replacement that's exciting doesn't seem to be there. They, they said they were going to use him more this week, and he, he played eight snaps and ran four routes. So that's where we're at with this Chiefs offense, I think, right now. It's Juju, Kelsey, uh, CEH, and, and that's about it for me. Yeah. All right. Next guy, would we keep him or cut him? Allen Robinson. So just five targets today for Allen Robinson. And we watched Ben Skoronek. I I don't know how to say his name. Oh my God. Ben Skoronek. I should know that name. Skoronek. Yeah. That, that guy, four targets and outgained him, outplayed him very clearly. Robinson has done nothing through three weeks. He seemed to be washed all of last year. Is there any reason for us to hold on to him, Eric? I'm tempted to just because of the offense here. Um, it, this was kind of a weird week. I mean, Cooper Cup, six targets. Allen Robinson, five targets. Scourneck, four targets. Like, it's not like anyone got the ball a whole lot in this game. Um, man, it, it it really is, though, Cooper Cup or bust most of the time, and there just aren't a lot of re- other reads in this offense. So I would like to stash Allen Robinson and hope for better days. But again, if you need to make room, I don't think it's the end of the world. But I just, I do think there's upside. You got Stafford, you got McVay. There's not many options. I mean, they just put Van Jefferson on IR. Like, I know Scour and Neck outplayed him, but I don't know that this is going to last. So I'm probably doing everything I can to hang on to Allen Robinson, even though this is pretty much a disaster as well. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Definitely more upside than a player like Mooney or Mecole or MVS. Um, but if I were in a shallow league and yeah. it really came down to, am I going to add Khalil Herbert that, that is going to be a high-end RB2 this coming week? Or am I going to hold on to Allen Robinson? I, I'm cutting Allen Robinson if, if it comes down to that. Yeah, I think in like a 10-teamer or something, that's definitely in play. So, okay. We need to talk about Travis Etienne here, Ryan. Um, I guess if James Robinson's going to bust 50 yarders every week, then uh, Etienne's in trouble. He is. Yeah. I, at this point, I, well, so number one, we need to talk about the Jaguars being good. So that, that <laughs> was kind of part of the thesis with ETN going into the year was, well, the Jaguars are probably going to be trailing a lot. ETN's going to be used a lot in passing situations. Turns out neither of those assumptions were really correct. Uh, just three targets for Travis ETN, 13 carries, 75 all-purpose yards. James Robinson got 17 carries, went for 100 yards and a touchdown on the ground, and also three targets of his own. I Is ETN just a handcuff? Like, this this is kind of where I'm at. Is is he A.J. Dillon, like a high-end high, high handcuff? I'm still keeping him, so I'll be clear about that. Uh, I mean, he's still produced on three targets, 30 yards receiving, and rushed for 45. Like, it's not a complete disaster here, but, um, yeah, I just never saw this coming where James Robinson was going to take over the backfield. I guess he's a handcuff. I think he's, man, I guess he's like a Tony Pollard type at this point, right? I mean, I, I do think there's some playable value, but we're probably waiting for a change here. 
it is overall it's encouraging that the Jaguars look so good. They did play a, a Chargers team that was just banged up everywhere. They were losing key players everywhere. So I don't know if they're 38 to 10 in Los Angeles good, but the Jaguars are certainly uh, a solid team. Uh, they should float around 500, if not better. Like this, this does look like a good team. So I think that does improve his chances just of scoring, reaching the end zone. It looks bleak right now, but I'm still trying to be positive with ETN, which is a little odd because I didn't draft him a ton this offseason. So um, maybe this is just kind of more what I thought he was going to be. And now we just kind of hope for the big plays to hit or Robinson to get dinged up or something. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Just wanted to add in the routes run there. So 20 for James Robinson, only 14 for Etienne. If I remember yeah. correctly, that was similar to last week too. It's yeah. not like Etienne has a monopoly on the receiving work or on third downs out of this backfield. Um, so yeah, I, Tony Pollard's prob- probably a decent comparison. So yeah, you're probably holding on to Tony Pollard unless it's yeah. an insanely shallow league. But de- yeah, definitely frustrating. Yeah, I mean, he's just, he's got talent. So I, I just, I don't think you cut bait unless you got an RB1 sitting out there you can pick up. So I, I'd hang on to him. Okay, a couple other running backs. I think we can be pretty quick on these, but like I was just thinking of players around 40 to 50% rostered that you could consider cutting for a Khalil Herbert or whoever else you're looking to add. Um, so I, I kind of Kenneth Walker and Kenneth Gainwell came to mind here. What is your outlook on these two players? Do they have bench stash like upside here or should we just be kind of jumping to the next hot thing for them? So starting with Walker, the the problem is just the fact that he's on the Seahawks. Like yeah. even I think we're looking at a Rashad Penny injury for Walker to ever enter your fantasy lineups this season. And even if that happens, the Seahawks are still going to be underdogs in most games. Uh, Travis Homer got hurt today and they proceeded to throw DJ Dallas in on third down. So it's yeah. not like Walker or Penny are getting that role. It. They're just, and I mean, looking at Penny's performances have been extremely discouraging. Like, yeah, he, yeah sure, he's been efficient on the ground. He's averaging like 4.4 yards per carry, but that's only translated to like five and a half fantasy points per game. If that's what we're looking at as Walker's best case scenario, then no, you do not need to roster him, is the my long winded way of saying that. Yeah. Um, and kind of similar with Gainwell, I would be more interested in Kenny Gainwell in the event of a Miles Sanders injury. Uh, he's clearly behind him right now, but Boston Scott is still on this team, is still involved. I don't think you're looking at workhorse roles for either of these guys in the event that their backfield leader gets hurt. So therefore, yes, I think you can safely cut them for a lot of players on waivers. Yeah, you hit everything I was going to say on uh Kenneth Walker. I mean, home game against the Falcons. Rashad Penny put up 14 for 66 and one catch. Like that, that's what we're looking at if, if Penny does go down, probably. They continue to funnel all the targets to Lockett and Metcalf. So not a lot to go around outside of them. So yeah, I'm not very high on Kenneth Walker. I think you can drop him and, and pick him back up maybe if you have a, a week roster, a later week, and try to catch him as a handcuff. But Kenneth Walker or Kenneth Gainwell, it hurts me. I do want to hang on to him because he was the clear second back this week. Uh, Sanders had 41 snaps. Gainwell had 22. Boston Scott only had seven. This is such a good offense that I'm tempted to try to keep the handcuff here. But no, I'm definitely cutting Gainwell if it means getting a, a Khalil Herbert or anyone with some next, I don't know, two or three week upside. So I think you can move on from Gainwell. I doubt anyone else is jumping to waivers to pick him up. If you do drop him, just keep him on your watch list. 
Yep, completely agreed. I think that about covers it. I'm sure there are lots of other players that we would drop for Khalil Herbert if this becomes a scenario where we think he's going to have the backfield for the next couple of weeks, just waiting on a real injury update on David Montgomery, which maybe we won't get that until Wednesday if the Bears are being this cagey right now. Uh, but just, I would say at, during your waiver wire running, just, just assume that Herbert is the biggest pickup. Just assume Montgomery's not playing. I, yeah. I could eat my words there, but I think this is one of those situations where your fab in fantasy football is made to be spent. And this is a situation where you probably should be spending it. Yeah. You, maybe he earned a role. Even if Montgomery does come back, he was awfully good. You know, hundred was 157 yards. Is that what we said it was? So uh, he looked good passed the test that way. Maybe he earned a role and players who are injured tend to get injured more often in the future. So even if Montgomery comes back, he could get dinged up again. So, Okay, moving on to our quick Monday Night Football sit-start preview. Uh, like I said earlier, since it's week three, of course, this game is Dallas at the New York Giants. So, Ryan, uh, tell us if people are stuck kind of waiting on some of these players, if they need some emergency options, how should they handle Monday Night Football? Yeah, so I, the first emergency that I forgot existed uh, is that Dalton Schultz is a true game-time decision for this game. I have no idea if he's going to play, but... If you were dumb like me and left him in your Scott Fishbowl lineup, for example, uh, there, there's probably not a lot for you out there. I mean, you're looking on the other side of the ball. You're looking at Daniel Bellinger, Tanner Hudson. They split routes pretty much evenly for the Giants. Uh, if I had to go with one, I'd say Bellinger, but just because he's the rookie and I feel like there's a little more upside there, but Hudson has earned more targets throughout the year, but yeah, pretty gross. Hope Dalton Schultz plays. Uh, but uh, other than that, for the for the people that don't have 17 fantasy leagues to manage and aren't making mistakes like leaving game time decisions on Monday night in their lineups, uh, let, let's just talk about a couple of desperation plays here. We've got Sterling Shepard available in, a, I, like, I think it's about 50% of Yahoo leagues. That could be totally off. That was a shot in the dark. Um, and then we've got Noah Brown, who is also available in some leagues. So I would go with Shepard between the two. I like that Shepard's had a 26% target share, 40% of his team's air yards. Like he, he looks genuinely good coming off of that late season Achilles last year. Like it has been one of the pleasant surprises for me so far this season. Yeah, I mean, Shepard's rostered in 24% of Yahoo leagues, so he's out there in a ton of them. So Ooh, way lower I don't know, than I said. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd say he's been good. He's drawn a lot of targets, Ryan. I'll give you that. He had 34 yards, but he did get 10 targets last week, six catches. So I agree with you. He's the safer, I think, of those options. Uh, you're just going to see the volume with Shepard. He's playing a ton of snaps. So um, if you need to throw him in there, it's not the, the prettiest play ever, but I think he's going to give you a nice floor in PPR leagues. So that's probably all you can ask for late on a, on a Monday night desperation play. And then uh, Noah Brown looks like he's available in about 80% of Yahoo leagues. So they definitely are options. Brown has been pretty consistent. I mean, he's got five catches in both games. So I don't, I, I there's probably a bit of a debate here, which one you would go for, but um, I don't know. I, I think I would lean towards Shepard just because he has a little more of a track record and he's I guess they're number one receiver, right? Yeah, I mean, at, at this point, Kadarius Tony seems doubtful to play. Like, there, yeah, there's not a whole lot else going on in this Giants receiving core. So, yeah, I, I think I think it's clearly Shepard for me. Yep. 
I don't know. Other than that, I mean, that tight end situation is pretty gross. Um, I mean, we could debate, like, if you had a, one of these receiver plays and it was between Tony Pollard or one of these receivers, like, who are you going with here? Uh, I think I'm going with Pollard kind of tentatively. So I, I threw this one into the range of outcomes tool. We've got Pollard versus Sterling Shepard. So it looks like Pollard has a better chance of getting you anywhere below 11.4 fantasy points. Uh, that's where they break even. And then if you need a ceiling above 11.4, then Shepard is a better option. Um, I mean, it's, it obviously heavily depends on how far behind you are. I would kind of agree with the tool that Shepard has more upside ju just for those air yards and that target volume I mentioned. But Tony Pollard is obviously a big play waiting to happen. He's got some touches guaranteed to him, it feels like. He will probably see five to seven carries, at least a few targets. So I, yeah, I would ultimately lean Pollard in a vacuum, but definitely depends what you need out of this guy. Yeah, I mean, Pollard's got 48% of the snaps on the season. He had only 39% last week, but they had a lead the whole time against the Bengals. So I don't know. That's probably a little, that's probably on the low end of his snap share um, outlook. So yeah, I would go Pollard over these receivers. Just a, just a messy game. Like there's, I don't even know. I was looking at the possible uh, Cowboys fill-ins at tight ends and uh, you don't want to play them. So um, if you have Schultz, you're probably stuck. I'd say it's probably Bellinger or something for the Giants, but it's, uh, I'm sorry, Ryan, you might be in trouble tomorrow night. Oh, I, I know I'm in huge trouble, but hey, it it's, look, it's Monday night. Cowboys are on TV in prime time. We're all so happy about that. I'm going to win back all the money I lost playing Monday night showdown. It's, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm sure that, the, that week three will end just as well as it started for us. Well, on that note, I think we covered this week pretty well. If, if you've got some players out there that disappointed you and you want to read about them further, please check out the What We Saw article. Uh, I'm sure our writers are just really going through it right now, trying to uh, cope with what they just saw this week. So there were some good performances, you know, like Mark Andrews is great. Like we definitely glossed over some, but it's it just felt proper here to just really just really bake in this this misery of week three so i'm glad you're here to do this with me ryan hopefully next week's will be a little more cheerful but um as always stay tuned for the monday night uh monday night tuesday morning waiver wire podcast with aj and callan they will have more information on the david montgomery injury and catch you up on some of that so thanks everyone for listening i hope you eked out a win in this crazy week three and we'll, we'll talk to you soon.